Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Westwood One Podcast Network. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, Team Never Quit? Welcome back to another episode of the show. My name's Andrew, joined by Marcus. What's up, man? What's up? You having a pretty good day today? Awesome. Thank you, got you for asking. Awesome freaking episode in store for these guys today. Got a Jason McCarthy, CEO of Go Ruck. Yeah, yeah. These guys dude. are cool. Former Army Special Forces. He's got an awesome Never Quit story and a really sweet company. Florida boy. Before we get into it, Patreon question today comes from Don. And she asks, what would you put in a time capsule to be discovered hundreds of years from today? Why would you put these items in there? And space in the capsule is limited. Bible? Ain't no telling what's going to be going down that far ahead. Yeah. You just got the word. You'll still be good, right? You can yeah. build it back. Would you want to give somebody a goose chase? Like, a, like I know you're a huge fan of like treasure hunting. That's different. Would you I put do that do in- that. <laughs> I got stuff all over this planet. Yeah, I think that... I think that would be something fun. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't keep most. I don't keep it here. Keep I keep it busy. all everywhere else. Yeah. yeah, people that do like the geocaching and stuff like that. I think that stuff's so cool. Yeah, so that would be it. You know, uh, some type of and then every, like draw right out the days. Or, yeah. Right, so if I had time to write, yeah. I'd write out what I thought would happen every day after the day that I put it in there, right? And then um, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Well, man, this is a question, not question. I don't know. <laughs> just yeah. try to go with this is what's popping into my head. And uh, I never thought about what I put in a time capsule. Or, or, yeah, or right, right. If I was able to write out the map to, so they could track from the future, from the time period they were in, all the way back to the time I put it in the capsule, and see if those two, as they found their way back to it, if it matched up with the what I had written in there. I think I'd also want to put a list of like, I don't know, s- stupid stuff, but like facts that are important to us now, like. Oh yeah, the tr- yeah. How, how uh, because I that's feel a like, great one. So because you kind of always have to connect the dots with science, which is cool. But it's like if we could have something that's like, here's the facts as they exist today, today, so that they could know like, hey, oh, somebody literally put yeah at this time and this period. This is how this happens. This is how this we is, know. This is why we felt this way. Yeah. A great question. That was good. Great that question. Made you go all day on that one. Oh yeah. I mean, because there's so many things, but obviously space is limited. What if they're in a? What if you get one of every type of person to write something about the person, the other person, and put that all in there? How they felt at that time, and they couldn't see it. 
Yeah. We we couldn't see each other, like what we wrote about each other. Yeah. yeah. And then put it in there. That's interesting, too. To see if everybody still felt the same way about... What if the world was... This is interesting. The world had ended. So the person that's discovering our time capsule, civilization is like fresh, like fresh start. So would they need items for survival? Like, should we leave something well, in the time capsule world that's helpful? Or yeah. like civilization? Like the civilization or like, well, let's say civilization. It has to be civilization. Yeah, because the world was gone. No one's finding it. Nope. <laughs> no, it's not going <laughs> to. Negatory. They do. Yeah, unless it's, it's a hell of a time capsule. It's catapulted out in the <laughs> yeah, distance. Exactly. And like, hey, that, that's it's just uh, floating yeah, around. Yeah. Let's find this place. And, and, <laughs> but if, if civilization, yeah, that, then you would put in there, like I said, the Bible, because it's got the rules of how to build yeah. a civilization, well, the code of conduct and everything, and, oh, and how people played it out. And then you'd put a, you know, put a beer in there. Put a bud. <laughs> nice. Just they like Straight beer. Texas. Yeah. Uh, put the American flag in there. Oh, yeah. Texas flag patch. Thanks for the question, Don. Yeah, no, that was good. Man, you, you really go could all go all day on this one. So, because I mean, if you, what, like, kind of like what mood you're in when they ask you that. Yeah. Like, if you're in a serious mood, I'll do this. But no, if it was a joking mood, I'd be like, man, I'd put all kinds of <laughs> stuff that would make put you be confused. something in there when they open, they'd be like, what is that? <laughs> like a predator mask. Yeah. <laughs> Fake dinosaur bones. Uh, yeah, like, uh, what kind of animal was this that? from? Good Lord, what happened back there? Oh, my gosh. Thanks for your question, Don. Make sure to join us on Patreon if you want exclusive access or to the show. Or just leave a note that goes, you shouldn't have opened that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one thing you were yeah. not supposed to Surprise. do. Surprise. Surprise. Oh, man. I got a little secret for you guys. For If you're listening to this episode today, we've never said this on, on the show before, but if you're a member of Patreon, Marcus will sometimes send a video when you join saying, what's up? It's personalized. And he sends bonus little. It's cool because me and me and you were just talking about well, this today. It took me a while to get. I had to get trained up on how to do. Yeah, that. but you got to say some stuff. Send it out there. People <laughs> yeah, like what, what the, the hell? They want to know what situation <laughs> I'm in. People think I just have that. I, I, my literally my everyday is just absolutely off off the hook. And I uh, so uh, and so, so if you, you want to get Mel, one of those, she's kind of funny about. It. She's like, so, what, I know what she looks saying? at me sometimes like, what what is wrong with you? And I'm like, what was that not normal? New standard. <laughs> New standard. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, man. Well, if you want to potentially get a surprise video straight to your inbox, make sure you're joined us on Patreon, patreon.com slash teamneverquit. Let's get to our interview with Jason. Hey, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you today, Jason. Thanks so much for, for having me, guys. Oh, you bet. All right, Marcus, you want to kick them off with the Mad Minute? Yeah, so the way we do this is we fire a couple of random questions at just to kind of bring some levity to the room to get, get, give you an idea how uh, how the show is going to work. And, and before we get into the to the deep stuff, we kind of like to liven it up with some of these questions. So I'm going to fire one at you and just whatever pops in the head. What's the weirdest thing you've eaten for breakfast that is not a breakfast food? That was not a breakfast food. So uh, I would have to say roadkill skunk at Sears School. Oh. oh man, that is not what I was expecting. That you went to the way back. That's a good one, dude. Oh. Yeah, I'm the mean, way back machine, the bro. The thing is, is the thing is, is I was grateful because I was starving. Oh. Right, my your body. You know when your body <laughs> smells like ammonia because you're literally just eating your muscles away. Yeah, it was it was that. So yeah, it was, it was not not pleasant, but it tasted great. You know, I was starving. <laughs> well, that transitions well into this next one. What is your favorite smell and why? Oh damn! Favorite smell like my—that's a good question. Wet, 
my wet dog at the beach. Besides my wife, of course, my wet dog at the beach. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of them that, that just get you automatically put to the side, like a new car smell. Yeah, like, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, your wife. I like the smell of after the grass has just been cut and and the dew is lifted off of it. Oh, it kind of smells like watermelon. That's uh, a good smell. It is. Yeah, that reminds me of of summers in Ohio when you start to say. You know, freshly cut grass. My grandfather would always go out and cut the grass and just that smell. I, I know what you're saying. I'd be out by the pool and yeah, the right? grass <laughs> is there as well. It was just, it was very American. Yeah. It, man, that's a great way. Man, that's a great way to des- to describe that smell. I usually go with new mown grass, but listen, I like the American. This would be a cologne. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Hey, a, yeah. I, the we American, can launch it. The American smell. <laughs> Not like work. That's brilliant. Yeah. All right, bro. If you were famous, what would you be famous for? Oh, shoot. I don't know. I guess rucksacks or rucking or something. All right, let me change it up. If you if you could be famous for something other than what you're you're known for, what would it be? Oh, I see. Um, I don't think I have any real tangible skills along those lines. I, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be Michael Jordan, play basketball. I wanted to be a tennis professional and stuff like that. So I wanted to be an athlete. Unfortunately, I just wasn't good enough, which is why I'm not famous for that. <laughs> Bro, so, we are so similar in many ways. I was the same way, Michael Jordan. I mean, because we were growing up, them guys were great. I mean, for, Michael they, Jordan was oh. so awesome. I mean, he just reminds me. Remember when there was only WGN? This oh. is before you could get anything oh, yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. And WGN had all the Jordan games on. And it was just awesome to watch him play. And it's just hugely inspirational. I mean, I don't use the word hero because that's kind of evolved for me over time imagine that but i was hugely inspired by by him and i just i wanted to i wanted to learn what that killer instinct that he had i wanted to feel that in my own life and so he inspired me to want to just keep pushing and and just keep getting better he did do that man he all of them guys because in our generation we were coming up man that kind of we had the shoes i remember i worked all summer for my first pair of jordans and then yeah. even on the tennis circuit, you had Agassi and all them guys. It was just like, yeah. wow. And that poster of Jordan coming off the line, I mean, when yeah. he sprawled out with that you ball, mean, is mid- it, I, I, that, that, that's the most unbelievable picture. And I'm I mean, just, yeah, midway through flight, right? And flight. The, when he got the fifth, after he just talked to Dr. J, and doc, and he, <laughs> you know, because he, he missed the first one. Right, yeah. Like so he went over there and Doc first, juiced him up. <laughs> and then he had to go back, and he's like, I'm going to do it again. And he did, and he nailed it. And then there was the big, you know, Michael Jordan score. 50 yeah, right oh, dude. how awesome was that man <laughs> I, i'll never that's like a time remnant i can yeah. see that poster in my head when he's sprawled out and when they show up from when he's limp, limping off the back from the, when, when they're looking at the goal and he goes in dude yep that's a good yep. one man you're an all-american tennis player in college though right so i was an academic all-american in in tennis in okay. college so yeah and it was division three Full disclosure. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Which, <laughs> you know, so, so I did. Yeah, so I played. My, my mom was actually the, the athlete in the family, though. She was uh, D1. She played for the Florida Gators. and was like all SEC, and she won junior college nationals. So she's All-American and all that stuff. And, you know, she had me when she was really young or else she, she would have gone pro is kind of the story I keep telling everyone. She's She sort of shakes her head because she's humble like that. But she was the – she was the athlete in the family. I got the watered down jeans just a little bit. What a great son <laughs> to take the rap for your for, for mom. Like mom could have been pro. And what was it for me yeah. though? <laughs> hey, hey, so, hey growing story. up, bro, man, I, I was a little bitty. Like I, I was in drama and played tennis uh, as well. 
my brother oh, and I both. Oh tennis. man, played tennis high school, junior high. Went to yeah. a tennis camp at John Newcomb's tennis ranch in the wintertime. <laughs> wow, awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, played in the Zat tournaments. It was cool. Yeah, so so I'm six four now, right? Yep. And when I was in eighth grade, I tried out for basketball and I got cut because I was the smallest kid out there. I mean. It's it's like I don't know. You just never know how it's all going to work out, man. Oh, <laughs> some bro. people bloom early, some people bloom late. Yeah, I was one of them slow runners too. I when uh, my wife found my driver's license when I graduated high school, I was five six, one hundred fifty four pounds. And you know how when you're that age, you lie on your driver's license. So technically, I was probably <laughs> shorter. And then yep. uh, we joined the military. And when we came back for it was my grandmother's funeral. I, I was six five, two hundred seventy pounds. Oof, man. That's yeah, that anthrax. Yeah, log, P, <laughs> log PT is a lot of fun when you're that tall. It, right? <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> I grew another inch and a half when I was 23. Oof, man. I remember that growth spurt because we were, my brother and I are twins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Man, I, that's, that's crazy, man. Is that, okay, say, so, hey, we get in a rabbit hole, start talking about some funny stuff, man. We'll, we can keep going or we can back. I don't want to keep you longer than we have to, man, but I, I know that I'm going to enjoy this because you and I, have, so far, have had the same path. I got all the time in the world for you, man. Uh, right, same here. So uh, let's back it up, Andrew. You want to let's start? Yeah. Out. How about you give us some background, like kind of what inspired you to get into the, the army, the special forces, all that? Tell us about your family a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I grew up um, in Ohio. Uh, well, I was born in Ohio. My mom and dad were really young. My mom was eighteen in five days when she had me. You know, marriage didn't work out for obvious reasons. Moved with my mom down to Florida, always went back and, you know, sort of joked that I summered in Ohio, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I go fly back and visit my dad and my grandparents. My grandparents were took a real vested interest in my future because my parents were both so young. But my mom was a, a great athlete. We went down to Florida uh, to Gainesville together and then she got remarried. We bounced around a lot is sort of the the, the gist of it. But, um, you know, it was a pretty other than that, it was a pretty normal youth, right? I mean, I watched Michael Jordan games. We sort of talked about that. I, I liked sports and I wasn't super cool. I was always like three years younger than I should have been, if that makes any sense. You perfect, know? perfect sense. Like, like when there were kids with beards and stuff, like I, I was like, I, I still can barely grow a beard if at all. So, you know, I just was never kind of ahead of my time a, as a kid, but you know, I just focused on sports and, and, you know, it was great. Um, you know, graduated college, in 2001 in May. And, you know, it was a different world back then. And, and the main reason is, is because 9-11 happened right before a, few, yeah, yeah. Uh, a few months later, and that just changed the landscape of sort of everything. And, you know, I, I went to college, I did well in school. It was, it was fun. I played tennis. It was great, but I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life so much that I interviewed at all sorts of consulting firms and all that kind of traditional, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. And I didn't really grow up around anybody who had been in the military. So my uncle was in the Navy. He, he flew helicopters. My grandfather was in Korea, but never talked about it, you know? And, and, uh, so it just, it wasn't something that, you know, and it just, I didn't really understand what the military did in peacetime. I mean, to be frank, my, my grandfathers, neither of them cared much for Bill Clinton. Um, one of my grandmothers loved him to death. Right. But, and it was like the, you know, they just always would say who like serving in Bill Clinton's army. I just don't get it. Right. Like it was just kind of a, a, and you know how it is, your parents influence the way that you, that you grow up and your take on things. And, and, you know, part of it is I just really didn't understand what the military was all about. I thought I just, I didn't, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, Oh, go fight, you know, world war two or whatever, sort of, but 
like I didn't Vietnam and yeah. my uncle and my, you know, that generation had not had a positive experience. Desert desert or the first Gulf war was like done in a flash. So, you know, anyway, I say that to say that nine 11 changed all of that for me. And, you know, uh, when, when you feel something inside revenge, anger, all of that type of stuff, I mean, you know, and you're a military aged male, 22 years old is, is how old I was. I mean, I, I had to do something about that. And yet it was a, also a scary proposition to the idea of, of going to join the army or the military in a time of war. I mean, it's, it's one thing to think that you want to do that or to know that you need to do that. And it's another thing to actually start going through that process. So I didn't go through that process out of the gates. I went through the process to join the CIA. And that's because I read this article about Mike Spann, who was the first, uh, the first KIA on, on our side, you know, yeah, with the I whole, think I remember, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah. I mean, he was a former Marine. He spoke, um, he spoke the local, local dialect right. and, you know, he was just sort of the perfect guy to go over. Um, and he died in the prison uprising with, with, uh, John Walker Lind. Right. And, and, uh, you know, it's like, well, I want to go do that. And so I went through the, the training or sorry, I went through the, uh, the, the interview process for the agency. And finally this, this guy, he, he spoke a bunch of languages like Russian and all these languages. And he had this gravy stain on his tie and we're sitting there in this, this very sterile room in Northern Virginia. And I was like, look, I want to go join whatever part of your organization. I think we would call it the company or whatever right. that, that, uh, where Mike Spann came from. And he was like, look, check it out. Finally, someone broke it down. We don't hire for, we don't, we don't take people and train them to do that. We take them from the military, from special operations. And I was like, okay, well, thanks. I'm going to go do that now, I guess. The, yeah, right. then a, a so join the army. By, That's right? what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> then, then though, guys, it was, it was this process of, well, how do I do that? And I graduated college, so I'm expected to be an officer. So I started out doing that, went and talked to the the Navy guys about the SEALs went and talked to the Marines about, you know, going and being an infantry officer. I mean, the numbers were staggering. This is the other thing that I didn't understand about the military was there was a huge line of guys trying to get in, guys and girls, by the way, trying oh, yeah. to get in to, to go fight and serve their country. And, and so, you know, I, I officially went through the process and took my PT tests and stuff. And it just nothing, you know, I just kept getting passed up. And I'm like, look, man, the wars are passing me by. Like, I need to I need to get on this horse and figure out how to, how to get there. So found an army recruiter back home in, in Jacksonville, Florida, Jacksonville beach, Florida, and, you know, signed the paperwork a couple weeks later, which guaranteed me slots into the special forces pipeline, but on the, on the enlisted side. So that was 2003. And then I'm, you know, I'm finally in. That says a lot about you too, because I was in right. Uh, I joined at the end of 99. So, and then September 11th happened, right? Right. Was I was finishing up my training and then you, it was, it was, I remember that it was an influx of guys come, and girls, you're right. Coming in. And, uh, that's when all the American flags were up everywhere and people just, you know, we got hit. So they were signing up and then you, it was kind of an awesome time. It was it's right. Real, it's, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's so, it would be so hard to describe to our kids what it felt like right then because out of that tragedy came so much positivity yeah. and it's like, you, you, we don't, ha we don't get to go back and say, Oh, well, you know, you can't have it both ways is right. what I'm saying. Like out of tragedy, good stuff does emerge. Yeah. And, 
And it's just, it's really hard. I mean, it's a lot of loss of life. I don't have to talk to you about this, right? I mean, it's just, you lose people and what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to find your neighbor and build those bonds a little bit stronger. You're supposed to go forward with your life one step after the other. And you're supposed to learn from those things and, and give back more and serve each other more. And that's what it felt like right after 9-11. And I think everyone wanted to be so much a part of that. Sure. It was almost like we were, we'd gotten so busy. I mean, and, and I remember in the 90s, especially in the early 2000s, man, it was just time was moving quick. I mean, it was just yeah, moving fast. Everything was coming online, and and you're right. So the after World War II, then the Vietnam guy. I mean, they got a bad deal. My dad was Vietnam, and my grandfather's were World War II and Korea. And so you mm -hmm. got, I mean, those guys when they came back, it's the greatest generation. And they, you know, you're kind of raised by your grandparents. So I, mm -hmm. I, we were raised by the greatest generation, and then next thing you know, when we're in there, nine eleven happens, and I mean, it shotgun stuff so fast, it, it created that that feeling like you didn't even know what was happening. You're just like, I know I got to go do this. I mean, we all shifted into that direction, our whole generation. And then lo and behold, they put us in 20 years of war. Can't even imagine what that created. Yeah. We'll be living with that for a while. I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, all of it. Yeah, but you're right though, man. It's, that's how it reconnected us. It's like, we were kind of stretched out so far going so fast. But, but ultimately we also have so many of us who have, who have chosen to serve and, you know, my family, my kids, those around us in, in our community, you know, I'm, I'm a face of that for a lot of people. You know, I'm like the first Green Beret that some people have met, you know, yeah. uh, you know, people in our community, you know, they'll understand more about what the military is and does. And this isn't just a recruiting poster for the military. It's, it's more of the idea that, I hope that you are inspired to serve something greater than yourself. Sure. And, and, and that's really what the military to me is the tip of the spear of that. But look, my sister teaches, you know, middle school math in Washington, D.C. in her suburbs. I mean, I would rather go back to Afghanistan or go back to Iraq or go to Afghanistan than go take her job. I mean, <laughs> it's brutal, you know, and it takes all kinds of people in, in our society to, to, to keep us moving forward together. Oh, I talk about that all the time, especially with our generation, man. It's like, if we were extreme as we were in the green berets and the seals, like if, then that means everybody around us had to be like that, including the school teachers. Cause you can't just have one little section of guys that do stuff like we do. Yeah. You know, look at, they, they get rid of us. But in reality, we're kind of that's like that table set over by the side of the family that, you know, we're not allowed in the house. <laughs> but yep. everybody else is is literally, I don't care if you're a teacher, if you're an accountant or a lawyer, everybody kind of is 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 wired like that. And and that's why yeah. we 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 can do the things that we do. But I, I remember when I signed Amen. up for the Navy because it's it's a tradition in our family. I mean, a lot most of the men and women serve. But when you're leaving and you're going into it, it's a completely different story. I remember when I joined, I'm at Navy Met Never Again Volunteer Yourself because I was everybody was screaming at me. And, you know, we're trying to go into the special programs. And <laughs> yeah. I'm 18 Delta. So I was at Bragg in 02 or 0102. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I was, I was there right before you. So talk about that. Talk about signing up and, and going through the, the process because it was right before it. A lot of people are not going to know this, but the Green, the Ranger, Ranger Baby or, uh, SF babies, SF babies, right? Yeah, right like the 18 X-ray program. So Correct. basically, what it was is, you know, we we needed to to grow. I say we, the special forces community, needed to grow its ranks in in this time of post 9/11 war. So they opened it up to guys off the street, and so you got a lot of 
you got a lot of guys in, in this time, it was only, only men. Um, a lot of guys who had really stellar resumes who gave up big six figure jobs to come and and serve their country like this. And so it was a really diverse lot. And some of those guys are now sergeant majors and stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty cool to see, but you know, to go back to the, the actual signing up and everything, I mean, I was, you know, what, 20, 24 at that time, I looked like I was 16, right? Especially when you're in basic training the whole oh, year. Yeah. And then they, you know, you shave your head and you're just white and you, the army uniforms are not nearly as cool as the, as the other branches. So that was kind of a bummer, but. Um, oh, the Marines know, got hard. that one pinned. The Marines, they got I, pinned. it's just, I mean, just copy them, except do it a little bit different or something. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, man. And they, they all look good. They all got nailed. those square jaws and everything. And it's just like, man, they look, <laughs> everyone looks perfect in their uniform. Then when you like, when they, when they like, when you shave our head, that's like most of our weight. You know what I mean? It's like, what's wrong yeah. with them? They're wearing pasty white. Cause it's freezing up there and they put us in a black uniform. You're like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's they've just got it nailed. I mean, they're oh. the world's greatest marketers, if you Man. ask me. <laughs> uh, but it was hard on my family, you know, enlisting, and there was the whole explanation thing, and it happened fast because I was leaving in like a month or something. So I went to basic training. It sucked. You know the deal. Yeah. It's, it's way worse than you do you think it's going to be. The Q course was, you know, the special force qualification course was was. Um, you know, I was surprised because it was foundationally it's, it's land navigation with a, with a heavy rucksack on your back. I mean, that's, that's what you do, right? You're moving all of these distances over time. And, you know, in my training, I'd spent time in the gym and I'd spent time running and even a little swimming just for cardio stuff. But I was like, none of that was exactly what I was doing now. So, you know, they starved us at some, some portions, they, you know, at Sears school, they beat you, they do all sorts of stuff. And you just can't believe that, that this goes on in the army, especially something like survival school, Sears school. But, you know, it was really long. It was two years. And in that time I had gotten married in the middle of the, of the Q course to, to Emily. Oh, way to and, go. Just throw that yeah, one in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Cause life's not, oh, yeah, life's like, not complicated enough. So let me, let me throw this that in one in But look, there. when you, when you love the girl, you got it. You got to oh, yeah. ask her to yeah, marry yeah, you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like, you know, you can miss your timing in this world and then you have regrets. I don't like regrets. No. So, um, you know, and so she then started going through the process to join the CIA. And then she was at the farm in uh, Virginia when I was at in the, at Fort Bragg going through the Q course. So it was a lot of chaos in our lives. And, you know, for me, in my whole training, the whole time I was doing it, I was waking up every day thinking, man, today's probably the day that they're going to, you know, say, Hey, sorry, you're not good enough. Right. And that's just sort of that. What I, what I realized over time is that's just sort of the culture that you have to prove it every Every single day. day that you belong. And that's, that's just sort of what it is. And you learn how to, how to live with that type of a, a way of life around you. But that's how the training was. And, and, and so I just try to do my absolute best and, you know, I guess it worked out for me. So graduated in, in May of, uh, 2006, it was a week before or a week after, I can't remember before Emily graduated from the farm. So, you know, then she's going off to, she actually went overseas first. She went to go work on some stuff in Chad and, uh, like on the Darfur issue. And then you know, that I'm going to Iraq and she's going to West Africa and that's 2007. And it's, uh, it was just a lot of back and forth in that time. And, 
and um, eventually went to I went and did some other work in West Africa in Mauritania, which I didn't know where it was until they told me I was going there, and I looked right. at it uh, yeah. on, on the map. map right? <laughs> I mean, the military sends you to some really cool places. They do. No it's awesome. Idea. <laughs> it's awesome. That's even better that your wife is a is an agent. I mean, I had a, I had a buddy, and he's passed away now. His wife was with the agency, and we were like, bro. I mean, she was one of like the clandestine operators. A lot of people think we don't have those. We do, <laughs> and I mean, yeah, that, that's the coolest thing. Probably brought some balance to the whole evolution when you're going through it. Because if she's an operator and you are too, it's just kind of you understand each other's world. Yeah. So there, there was that. I mean, you know, she had a lot of people in her in her training that I became that we became really good friends with who were. You know, they were transferring over from places like Delta Force and, and Green Berets and SEALs. And and so for her, there was exposure to the military with her colleagues. And when, you know, I'm when we're together, there's there's obviously exposure because I'm in the military. But she didn't grow up in a military family per se either. So we were just sort of figuring this out together. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm in war. She's in war-torn Africa. And, you know, we're... It's like, you remember the Iridium phones, the sat phones oh, that, yeah. you, that you use? And like, you know, there was like a hundred numbers I had to call. Cause I'm calling West Africa from the Iridium in Iraq to talk to her whenever I can. And like, there's like a hundred numbers before the 18 numbers oh, to yeah. get to her. And it's like, and then the call drops like, damn it, you know? And, and, uh, so it was just, it, you know, in 2008 got out, she was stationed in or posted, I should say in, in West Africa and. Um, you know, the plan was, I was going to move there and life was going to be perfect, you know, diplomatic husband of sorts. Right. And, you know, skip to the end style. Like we'd been married for four and a half years and got there and it was just weird and not that great. And we sort of realized that when you are apart, you grow apart. And there's just, you know, when there's just so much chaos, it's hard to isolate how something happened. It's just, this is, this is the soup sandwich you're living with. And here you go. And so, like three months later, I headed back to, to the States and we were in sort of the early phases of, of crash and burn with, with our marriage. So I went really quickly from, you know, a big bad Green Beret serving with all this kind of mission and purpose with the guys to my left and the guys to my lo- right who, who I just loved and adored. And then, you know, all of a sudden I got no job and no mission and no wife really. And she still got the dog and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it happens fast. And 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 that's where I was in, you know, early, early 2009. Now, you just mentioned your dog a little bit. And I think that for our listeners, that's a big part of your story, right? Yeah. I mean, so Java is a big part. So when so M, she was she was going abroad to uh, I mean, it's, they, they do three year postings at, at the agency or at the State Department. Right. And so she brought a dog over with her, a, a chocolate lab named Java. And you know, in, in Africa in general, yeah, probably everywhere except maybe South Africa. If you have a dog, it's, it's for protection. I mean, you don't have a dog as just a pet. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not a thing over there. So, you know, she'd be driving around with Java and, you know, stop at one of the checkpoints with all the, you know, the soldiers there trying to shake you down or whatever. And they're like, Hey, we'd like to eat your dog, stuff like that. You know, (laughs) well, Java, you know, he had that big English lab block, right? Yeah. yeah, just big. And, and so, you know, he became kind of like, she'd go out on meetings and car meetings and whatever. And Java was just always with her. And so, 
Yeah. So he was part of our story because, you know, I felt better about her in West Africa because Java was there, you know, and then when I moved there and our life wasn't, our relationship wasn't that great. I was kind of like that guy with a dog, right. You know, and a kind of a broken heart and all that stuff. And, and so when she, she eventually came back to the States and we sort of fought about the dog a little bit and I went back to school and she went, uh, you know, she eventually got out of the agency, but, but she gave me the dog. It's the nicest thing anybody's ever, (laughs) it's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. I mean, she kind of a backhanded way of doing it. She's like, you need him even more than I do. Right. (laughs) So, Hey man, I I have one too. And it's kind of when I, when I first got out, you're looking for something to do. And I thought I got paired up with the dog and it was, it was a gift to me. But in reality, I was just a dog walker. Like I took that sucker everywhere. I mean, we I went over all over the country and the world with him. Just kind of, yeah. and they're great companions. Well, it's because you're serving, you're serving your, your dog who loves you unconditionally. And there's just something, I mean, call it therapeutic if you want, but it, it helped me hugely in, in my sort of transition. And, you know, funny things happen. A dog needs to go outside. Well, it just so happens that being outside is really good for us. A dog needs to go for a walk. It needs to get some miles in. Well, guess what? That's really good for us too. And when you start to take those steps forward, what happens is, is the rest of your life kind of goes with you. At least that, that was my experience. So, you know, so much of the, the positive outcomes of the transition and the loss and, just the difficulties. It started with a few steps every day that my dog Java was like, Hey, I need to go out. Let's go. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're great at doing that. I mean, you can't even believe the relationship, especially if you're with them all the time. And I, I was with, with, with mine all the time. I and mean, you, you can't explain why you don't want to go for the walk. They don't, they, and then they get, they have that, the, especially the labs, they got that perfect look, right? They just look at you like, Hey, what, what are we yep. doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I thought you were a no excuse kind of guy. Come yeah, on, right? take, me yeah, for, yeah. take me for my walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, what was your yeah. rating when you were in, when in SF, which course did you go through? So I went through the 18 echo course. So yep. that was the communications Conga. and then. Yes. So the other side, you know, radios and and all that type of computers. But the other course that I went through was was one called SOTAC attack controllers course. And so like a JTAC kind of kind deal. Ex- exactly. Okay. Except, except except Army SF had kind of come up with this condensed course so that it's you know because an SF team is twelve guys. It's, right. it's usually a little bit less, but but max it's twelve. You always have to have a medic. And then you, you try to be versatile, right? I mean, everyone has specific jobs and stuff like that so that you're, you're able to do the work of a company. Right. And, and so the skill set that was in demand a lot was, you know, calling in bombs. And so they set up a, sort of a shorter course. I mean, the JTACs and the TACPs in, in the Air Force, I mean, those guys are the best. I mean, they're, oh, sure. they're just awesome. And, and that's, that's their deal. That's their whole, you know, sustained training until forever. But it was familiarization with fast movers and, of course, gunships and, you know, how to not drop on yourself, which is an important skill to learn. We, you know, there's some, some really bad effects of that very early in the war. And like, you don't like, there's, there's just a lot of, I mean, the military is all about risk mitigation. And so you do a lot of that through education and and a lot of it through process. And so, you know, went out and it was in, uh, it was in Yuma, Arizona and then follow-ups were out in Utah, Salt Lake City, stuff like that. But that was a skill that I brought to, to my team in, in Iraq in, in 2007. And, you know, it, it, it worked. It came in handy. It came in handy. So 
Um, I was grateful that I got to go to that mostly because, you know, another radio guy, I mean, it's not quite as much as if you have another skill. Sure. I mean, we were set up that way too. It was 12 men and kind of every guy knows each guy's job, but then you have the specific skill sets from the JTEX. I I remember our Yuma trip too. We got extended there a little (laughs) while because the ceiling was so low, the guys couldn't come in and drop, but yeah, that's uh yeah. And like one time we did a, we did a, uh, practical exercise in downtown Salt Lake City where, I mean, there, it was a clear day, but we're only using, you know, jets at like, I forget, or no, it was like bombers at like 40 or 50,000 feet above the, the traffic at the, uh, above the traffic of the airport. Right. And, you know, literally calling in simulated ordinance onto, you know, this car or that building or whatever. But it's just, you know, you're just, the, the mechanics are the same. You're just out practicing. But there was, it was pretty bizarre. It was another guy driving around town and you're, you're, you're never going to give them your grid coordinates, you know, cause if they ever input it into their machine, that's how bad stuff can happen. But right. so you have to, you have to learn how to walk them onto the target that you want. And, sure. and you know, that was a pretty cool place to do it. Oh, well that was, that's it. Speaking the language. I mean, that target, target talk on is huge. I remember, and they can see a long way away. That's the coolest part when you're trying to describe a, a, a target talk on and you're giving them what they got. And, and you know, the pilots, they're always cool. They're like, I got it. <laughs> Roger that. I see what you're talking about. But um, remember when, I think this happened to some Air Force bubbles, the, the GPS batteries went too low. And, and so the grid turned around and instead of giving the flying yep. grid, it, it gave their position. Yep. Yep. It's, it's bad news. And you know, they, they taught all sorts of those, those cases, this is what not to do. Right. And yeah. batteries or something. I mean, you go on a mission, like every single mission starts with new batteries. Sure. That's most of our <laughs> Doesn't weight matter. That's most of our weight. Yeah. yeah batteries and water. Yeah. And then ammo. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really cool. I mean, like the military gave a lot of just, even just on the training side was a lot of exposure to to things that you really can't get elsewhere. No, I, I completely agree. The trips and the training. Because after a while, you get your rhythm, and then you get to run into all the different guys in the different um, uniforms, man, and, and play together, train together. Yeah. That was cool. So, Jason, your separation with Emily and kind of just leaving the Army, is that kind of when the Never Quit story starts slash Go Ruck begins? Yeah, you know, I don't there's, – there's not one instance – where you know I'm I'm staring at the Grim Reaper and he's staring at me. It was more just uh, a series of look. I mean, I, I got out. I'm at rock bottom, and you know, divorced to the only girl I've ever loved. You know, still love her. Will always love her. And you know, Go Ruck was kind of just a hobby. I'd started. I, I built her a go bag or a go ruck while she was in in Africa. Just put some supplies in it and said, Hey, keep this in your truck when you drive around, just in case. Right? I mean. Hey, here's a pair of running shoes in case you've got to move out fast and you have the wrong shoes on for your diplomatic function. Here's a, you know, here's a radio. Here's just ratchet straps, just basic a, a survival knife, stuff, stuff like that. Made sure, you know, there was enough stuff to change the tire, just the basics of, of survival, the stuff that you would, you would want. Right. Yeah. And the, the principles were the same. You know, we go out in a gun truck, we put in a go bag or a go rock in the trunk of the Humvee and it's extra bombs and, and guns and batteries and radios and all that kind of stuff in case our vehicle's disabled, we have to fight or we need more supplies. So basically took that special forces mindset, that special forces way of life and applied it to, 
to her situation, kind of our situation in West Africa. And as I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next in life, she basically said one one afternoon in, in at her house there, like, hey, you should do the go ruck thing. And so I didn't really know what that meant, but it, it's it morphed a lot. I thought it was going to mean import export into into West Africa and teach people there the haves, so to say, that need security. Here's how you can make your life more secure. But what it turned into was more of a, a manufacturing thing that, that took me like two and a half years to figure out how to get the first ruck built. So GR1. And it was, it was really meant to build this bridge between the military and the civilian world. Sure. So Baghdad and New York City. Yeah. And, and that kind of became the, the interesting part that I didn't know was going on was GORUCK became a bridge for me. And it, it wasn't really about designing the gear. And it kind of wasn't even about the events as those as, as I sort of started running those. It was just something to do. And, and that's what I needed in my life most was was a, a mission, a purpose, something to focus my time on that wasn't reexamining the failures of my past. And so, you know, every day it was just sort of, you know, sometimes it was one step forward. Sometimes it was two steps back. Sometimes it was five steps forward. And it was just kind of keep moving forward. Yeah, well, that's the and, dance, and, uh, right? I mean, it's important to take sometimes take those steps back to see how far forward you went. And, and that, <laughs> that go bag thing, I, I remember when I was at 18 Delta, like we did figure out different ways to pack that magnet because we're not even looking at it. You just know where the pockets are. And I do the same thing. Yep. I have a toolbox in my truck and I, I put the stuff in there that whoever I would call would bring. And then you pack that in there until you, you run out of stuff and then you actually have to call somebody. And I mean, the different types of situations can people can get in out there. Those, I mean, you can build a rucksack for all of it. Because, I mean, we would literally change. That's why they had that Molly kit. We'd change up the, the order every time. Yeah, and so the, the, one of the main features that, that I took for, for, the, for our rucks was that they would open flat, like the clamshell opening, yep. patterned after the 18 Delta, the Special Forces Medic packs. The M, M2 you, bag or whatever it was? Yeah, you, you open them up. M4. You put them right next to the casualty. You know exactly where everything is, everything in its right place. And, and there you there you have it. And I just thought that was a better way to pack and, and to organize your stuff. So, you know, just took a lot of stuff from, from the military and kind of just applied it to, to the gear side. And then the tricky part though, was that, you know, manufactured everything in America and it was really expensive. And when launched the, the product in 2010, I mean, it was crickets. It was, it was not even crickets. There, there was just <laughs> silence. And so it was like, how do I, wait, I got this great product, I think. It's but, so top you know, secret I, when we snap our fingers, nothing happens. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite line. <laughs> it's like sometimes those comms with the iridiums and, and, the, and the sats and all that. I'm like, man, we're literally ho so high speed, it doesn't work. And it's so hard. I mean, just, you know, about a cell phone, we'll call over and say, hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so you end up using the whatever the, the, the local cell phones were with zero security whatsoever, you know, as part of your, your pace plan, because you got to have something that's definitely going to work. So yeah. Cause if you're in um, that position, they already know where you're at, man, pull, pull up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, right? yep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and so then came up with some events that were loosely based on special forces training. So one guy, a cadre that would just take people of all walks of life, you know, like I said, before we started the, the show, like Young, old, black, white, male, female, gay, straight, you know, it didn't really matter. It was just, hey, here's your rucksack with some weight in it and follow me. 
And so the goal was just to, to give people some exposure to, to military life, special forces way of life, and, you know, build them into a team, a very positive thing. Because, you know, I, I learned a lot and I'm, I'm really grateful to really the guys that I served with who, you know, they, they just took so much of the tribal knowledge from our community. And, and I got that and I have that for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm just really grateful for it. And so I want to kind of pay that back. And, and I can't really, you know, um, the best way rather that I think I can do that is, is by teaching other people, Americans who maybe don't serve in the military or those who do that want to get reminded what it feels like at its, at its extreme end sometimes, like what, what that really can look and feel like. And, and so, you know, that's, that became the event side and it, it really helped grow our communities and just our, our brand, so to say, because it, it was di- completely different. And the focus became not the gear, but the people wearing it. And, and that was kind of our, you know, I don't, it's like lightning struck though, you know? I mean, yeah, I guess I figured it out to some extent, but there were a lot of influencers at the same time, but I did kind of refuse to quit. Right. And, and that's, that was the sort of, there were so many false starts in that though, like trying to work out this and trying to partner with this place and, you know, trying all these different things. And none of it worked until eventually, you know, the, the events started to work and, and separate us as a brand. Sure. That refound your team. Cause even when we start up, people come in with every great intention, but when, when they, when we start working as hard as we do, when, when they go away, it's kind of like, well, I'm, I'm stutter stepping. It's like, nah, man, we're just finding out who's going to stick around and you're supposed to give it back. That's exactly what we try to do. I mean, you, you nailed it with the, I think what happened, like when the Vietnam guys came back, they didn't, we weren't allowed to do that. They didn't go back in and say they were military. They got kind of, and then the, the Gulf war boys, there's like you said, went hot and fast. And then they had to cycle in and start training us. So yep. I mean, and now that we're we've come back, it's we're doing what we're supposed to do because the ultimately the civilians are the I mean the American people are the ones that gave us the skill set, and then they allowed us to go out and harness it, and then we come back and then we we give it back any way any way we can, just like you're doing, man. So nice work. And a lot of people, a lot of people in our community ask like, how can I get involved and how can I get started? And I think what you did was one, you leveraged your dog to just get out and take that first step. But whenever you started your business, like you didn't stop no matter what was coming after you day after day and it not working the failures, you kept saying, you know what, I'm going to make this a thing. And what's cool about that is like go rucks, not just bags now, right? No, it's not, not just bags at all. <laughs> yeah. You're not carrying, it's not a baggage thing. And, and that's the best part about what you said with the military is you, I don't care what color you are. I mean, we don't think about that. We're hauling rucks, right? This is what we're doing we're, and we're doing it together. Yeah. Let's do the work. Yeah. Right. And we want to find the people that want to do the work with us. And, and that's, that's great when you find those people. Those are the people. Those are your. That's your tribe, man. That's those are the people you want to hang out with and go do fun stuff with. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, think about that. You can always find somebody who doesn't want to go do it. Don't. Well, don't go do it with them. But you, yeah, yeah, right. Go look always, on Facebook. Yeah, right. Go look on Facebook. There's plenty of them that that don't want to go do the work on on there. <laughs> yeah, they let you know about it all the time. Yeah. That's probably how you know they're on there. They're not out there doing do it. <laughs> yeah. And then to sort of come full circle on, on the personal front, you know, Em and I ended up getting back together and we have a few kids running around the house and she also works at GoRuck. And, um, you know, like she runs our community and our travel stuff. And, um, you know, like is like it's, it was just kind of a, a chaotic 
whirlwind back in whatever, 2008 or so. And, you know, took, it took a little break as she likes to say, and eventually got back together. And, you know, we have that, we have a lot of perspective on our life and how grateful we are for it and for each other because of, you know, when you, when you give something away, then, you know, if you let, if the bird flies away and then it comes back, it was meant to be. And in this case, it was, you know, the timing worked out and we were both just back in Florida and just connected. And, you know, I guess the, the main point of that is not that, Hey, if you've got an ex-wife, you should, you should call her up and see about getting back together. That's not the point in this. The point is that, you know, you just never really know how something's going to work out. But if you, if you just sort of keep following your dreams and, and keep doing the things that make you happy, you'll be in a much better position to, to kind of live your best life. And for me, that very much in, involves, involved and involves Emily. And so I feel, I feel really blessed and fortunate that she's back in my life and has been for years and years now. Well, I, we got some buddies that are going through that and you're right, yeah, not telling them to go back to their, their ex-wife, but if you feel like answering this, what, like when you gravitate back towards, t- towards her, what was it because that during the separation, you, you looked at the perspective of what separated y'all and realized it wasn't important enough to do that. And you come back around I'm sure there's some groveling involved on, on the guy. On yeah. Our <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was, it, it was like our, our story. I mean, we went to high school together you know, she was, cause I was gone in the summer. She worked for my mom at tennis camp, swim camp. She babysat my siblings who were a lot younger, nine and 12 years younger. I mean, we were family, we were friends for forever first. I was just, you know, the guy, like I said earlier, that was just, you know, three years too young, his, his whole youth and never asked the girl out while we were growing up, you know? And so finally did it right, right when I joined the army and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go to war. I better finally <laughs> ask Emily out, right? Because right? of course you do that. And look, I mean, I think that it's it's very fair to say that while you're going through something that's difficult, you don't really have enough perspective and about yourself, about where you actually are. And I think transitions are, are really difficult. I know mine was. And so, you know, once you have a little bit of of, of space to breathe in, it's like, well, look, I mean, not grass isn't always greener first off and second off like you know things that this idea about well it, it was meant to be or it wasn't meant to be or reading the tea leaves and all that stuff it's it's a lot of bs thrown into there to me it's sort of hey do you love this person yes or no are you happy when you're around them yes or no it's never going to be perfect you know marriage and all those things they are work but I don't mean that negatively. I mean, look, yeah, you, you need to talk about, you need to check in with someone. You need to open up to them. You need to do the things that are sometimes hard to do, especially when, you know, you're transitioning out of the military maybe, or something that was very difficult in your life. And it's just hard to talk about. And so you shut down. I've seen that with a lot of guys in our community, they shut down and then they push people away. And that's a really good way to get people to go away. And so if, if, something goes wrong. I mean, you know, I'm sorry is a really good thing to say. And, and Hey, would you like to talk about it is, is another, another really good thing to say. And, and, you know, nobody should be so tough and think that they're, they're kind of too good for that. You know? Well, that's not tough. Tough is when you do it. When you say, yeah, hey, look, you want to talk? 
When I get in trouble with the wife, call it the long walk. It's the best piece of advice I ever got. You just like go on this walk and start talking. And just let them talk and talk and talk. And then when they get done talking, say, talk some more. <laughs> Until they get yep. it all out. And then, then it's good. Because with the ladies sometimes, man, they'll say they're okay. But if your world starts falling apart around you, that means they're not. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> I didn't learn. You, know, you, have to get, you have to get married before, that, before you figure that one out. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm kind of an internal processor. And and so it can be, and this is just the things that you learn by comparing yourself to to someone else. And, you know, Emily likes to talk things out and talk through things. And so we have to figure out a way to make that work with with the two of us. So there is the whole sort of, hey, let's go for a walk and talk about this. That's a good one. The the long walk. Long walk. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, those are the things that, that I've learned since I mean, it cost me a marriage, right? Like that was a huge failure. And it's it, it, like, I, I wanted to camouflage that, that and my shame from, from everyone. Right. I mean, it's, it's not something I'm proud of that, that we, we got a divorce, but I, I think we probably are stronger now because of what we both went through, you know, in that whole process. And th- th- those are, it's like, almost like the contradictions of, of our lives are the things that are really hard and that cost us the most provide the most meaning for the rest of our life. And that's just a really difficult thing because you don't want to go through pain, you, you know, pain, like, I mean, real pain, not, you know, physical pain, but, but real emotional pain or loss. You don't want to go through that, but that's how you, like it, it makes so many, so much of the rest of life have so much more meaning. Sure. And that's just sort of where we are. You're absolutely right. And sometimes wives just need somebody to yell at. I mean, that's kind of why you're there. You, I, I, sometimes I get myself in a pickle. I, I'm like, why well, how did I even get in this? Oh, wait, it's nothing to do with me, man. They just need to yell at somebody. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Send it on over. And, uh, yep. and then, I'm your huckleberry. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I joke about this, but I had to figure this one out too. So there's times, man, where, Literally, you'll be sitting there and someone's explaining something to the both of you. And what, what you hear is the same thing, but how you interpret it is different. And, and I'll be like, oh, man, yeah. that is not what I heard that dude say. You know what I'm talking about? And it, it's, yeah. it's, uh, that's the spice of it. It's just kind of a, a variant. And that keeps everything moving. Because if it gets perfect, man, if you get people always get bored. And if you get bored with perfection, then that's, I mean, that's bad. So, you yep. know. Yeah, I mean, the brief back doesn't. It works better in the military than it does in, in the rest of life. If you're going around to everybody, including your wife, saying, hey, all right, now give me the brief back of what you just heard <laughs> so I can – it's like it doesn't work that well. <laughs> no, I try to tell her like the weather channel. I'm like, I need constant updates. All right, like if you see me over there and you're just like, how did I even marry that dude? Then come over and say so- something. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, as hard as we work, I mean, with us, the best part about being in the military is they worked us for but then they let us play. And if you get to that point to where you're so sophisticated and you got so many responsibilities and you don't allow to have a good time, vent, vent that it'll come out somewhere where you don't want it. I think. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's still important. Like go tie one on with the boys or go climb a mountain, do something. I mean, like you got to do something to, to clear your mind for sure. I mean, that's ingrained in our, in us that's throughout the military and that's how they get, I mean, you got to think the the bosses when they'd send us out on those ridiculous ruck. I was like, hey, the boys need to vent. We got to beat them down, get it out of them. Go do make make them go do this. Yeah, or I mean, just the way the culture is. If you're not that kind of person, you don't really fit in. You're you're a hard charging type. I mean, it's very work hard, play hard. It's it's mission first. It's it's God to your left and God to your right always come before you. But it's it's work hard, play hard. 
Yeah. And you do that together and it's, and it's a, it's a great life. That's what it is. It's a life that you got to put, have both those together to make a life. And that's, that's correct. Yeah. Just, just living one of them is not a life. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. What's your greatest piece of never quit advice? I mean, you've, you've had a couple of different, you've the transition out of the military back into civilian life. You've had the, the divorce. You had a loss of, you had a loss of the dog, that dog that was there yeah. with you through all of that. So what would you have to say to someone that's going through what seems like is everything coming at them all at once? When life's really good, you can, you can sort of plan a hundred years out, right? You can sort of say, Hey, or 20 or whatever. This is what, this is what I want to do in life. This is, these are my passions. This is what I want to accomplish, or this is what I want to do. Right. And when life gets really hard, the problem is, is too oftentimes we try to still have those conversations with ourselves, but we're just not in a position to do that. And so you have to focus on the, the closest target that you can, right? You have to focus on just the small victories that you're going to get out of a day, right? Like there was a time when going outside for a couple miles with Java was just, that was an extreme accomplishment for me. And, and so as I was transitioning out, you know, the, the three pieces of advice that I give military members who are transitioning out is number one, get a dog. Number two, use the post nine 11 GI bill. And I say that because it bought, it bought me time. So I went to business school at Georgetown for two years and it just bought me time to sort of smooth out my own issues in my own head. And, you know, and there was, and I'm gaining a skill. I'm, I'm getting something else that, that will prove valuable to, you know, for the rest of my life or, or to my next employer or to, to whatever. And the third is just work really hard. And that's the, that's what we know in the military. And a lot of times when, when we get out, it's, it's sort of, we reject the things that we actually enjoyed about the military yeah. because they were hard. Like I'm never going to wake up early and do PT. Right. So <laughs> what it turns into is, was I'm not doing, I'm not doing PT anymore because it sucked. And, and I don't want to do that. And I'm so free now that I don't have to do it. So I'm not going to do it. And, and so those, those things for me though, I mean, eventually it turns out, guess what? I like doing physical training. I like being outside and pushing myself. I love my dog. Right. So I, I still, Java passed away, but I have another dog named monster now, you know, and, and whether it's buy yourself some time, go back to school, stay learning. I mean, for, for me, I mean, I, that's always keep acquiring new skills. And, and that's, that's easier for me to say now at the time it was just really, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to help you. And there's, there's no shame in, in asking for help. I mean, it's kind of implicit on, on the teams or at group where you're just sort of know that the guy has your back, the guy to your left and the guy to your right, that they have your back. And you, you feel alone and isolated when, when you're ashamed of where you are. I, I know I, I did. And, and so, you know, there were one by one, a couple people that kind of helped get me out of that, including my dog. And so, you know, I just, I don't think anybody's going through anything that special. And, and I say that with kind of reverence for people who are really struggling and are fighting the good fight against it. I just think there's a lot of people out there that are doing this and there's even more people that will help. And so the first step is just sort of, Hey, you know, it's okay to say, if you call someone out and say, Hey, want to go grab a beer or Hey, want to go for a ruck or a run or go, you know, 
go for a car ride or go to the range or whatever the case may be, that's, that's step one all the time is just get out and do something that you love to do. Yeah. That's so true. It doesn't have to make you a millionaire. It doesn't have to, you know, all these things. It's nothing great's going to happen overnight. It's just about the process of getting out and doing what you love. Yeah. Even if you're getting out to go make a million dollars, it's still, that'll give you plenty to do. I'll give you plenty to do. So I mean, it's, it's all about just getting up. And if you're planning ahead for the, for the next day, which remember, we don't even know if it's coming and yesterday's that's gone. That's why we say the only easy day was yesterday. Yeah. And you kind of get up in the morning, man, you give it everything you got and, and, and see where you end up. I think there's a great chance for you to kind of plug go ruck. I've been a fan for a long time. I was working for Apple and I don't know if you ran ads on a website called the awesomer.com, but all of us like tech nerds at Apple went to the uh-huh. awesomer when y'all released, I think the GR one and, uh, and I've been a fan since. So I think there's a great opportunity kind of for you to talk a little bit more about the company as well as like, I think the community component of go Ruck is the coolest thing. Would you like to kind of get into that a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. I, I won't bore you with the sort of manufacturing details and stuff because People are the most important part of my life and they're the most important part of, of Go Rock. And so, you know, the community grew out of these really physically demanding events that we, we started running called the Go Rock Challenge. And, you know, all Go Rock is local on some level. So we now we have over 300 official Go Rock clubs around the country and the world. And it's just literally people getting together and going for a ruck. So you can put 20 pounds, you can put 50 pounds in your back. Take your pick. You go for a couple miles, maybe you do a couple push-ups, maybe you don't, maybe you guys all go grab some pizza when you're done, maybe you grab some beers, stuff like that, right? There's a the, the fitness thing with backpacks on, you can talk to the person next to you, and it's it's that's how, that's how lives become richer and communities become stronger, is when we spend real time in the real world together, and we believe, I believe, that physical fitness is just a, a foundational thing that will make all of us feel better. And so that's kind of the the way of life that we lived in in special forces that I, I'd never really heard it said like this, but I mean, that's like you wake up, you you go for a run or a rock or you, you work out together. It's just part of what you do. That's the job. You have to be in great shape. And the other benefits of that are that you know, you're in, you're in good shape, you sleep better, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and it, it, it really bonds your team together. And so that's basically what we've been doing for a decade. Now we run about a thousand events a year. They're, they're led by current and former special operations guys, anything from seals to green berets, to Delta, to, to, to PJs, to you name it. Um, and Yes, there's equipment and there's rucking gear that goes along with it. And, you know, there's all sorts of training sandbags that'll make you a lot stronger if you if you push them around a, a lot more, you know, and those are all just kind of means to to uh, a richer life for us, though, not to an end, but just to a richer life where, you know, it's not just about what's in your bank account. It's about, you know, do you know your neighbors? Do you like to go do stuff outside with them? Like how much fun are you having? You know, because fun doesn't have to be flying 10,000 miles away from home. You can, you can just ask a neighbor to go do something hard, train up for it and go do it. And you'll have a lot of fun. And, and so, you know, it's kind of a, you go to, if you look at our site, you'll see there's a lot of manufactured gear and stuff. And, you know, it all comes with a lifetime guarantee. That's, that's awesome and stuff. Great. But really, if, if you buy something from us and you don't use it, we're going to come to your house and take it back. 
Like we want you to, we want you to use it and get out and, and go explore and, and go do a lot of great stuff in, in life. No, the, the concept is brilliant. I mean, you nailed it because in reality, if you got an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer and y'all go do something together, especially in their own field, then, then they have a strength that you have as a weakness. But when you pull everybody in and you're all carrying the same weight and you, and you can talk, that's the huge thing. Running, you can't. I mean, you kind of, it's you in the street, uh, but you find out yeah, what everyone's made of. I mean, we are, and when you're all carrying the same weight, it's brilliant. At, at a really macro level in our society, people are, it, it's becoming harder to meet new people outside of, of your kind of universe, right? Like if you live in a certain area, you have certain kinds of friends. And, you know, if you're a doctor, you know, doctors, if you voted for Trump, you find other people that voted for Trump. If you voted for Obama, you find other people. And it's becoming too kind of segregated. And what we do is we bring people who are completely apolitical. And so we just bring people out together. And, you know, you get a lot of, of politics doesn't come up because there's other work to do. And what happens is at the, at the end or, you know, a year later, you sort of have this experience with someone who you basically have nothing in common with on paper, but you had this great experience with them as a person. And I think that that's a really important thing to remember and arguably more so this day and age when it's so sort of polarized and stuff is that, look, behind all of the stuff that you read, there's a lot of really good people out there that are waking up, going to work, working hard, taking care of their kids. You know, some of got two jobs to, you know, make sure their kids are taken care of or so that they're building out a better life. There's just a lot of people that are that are doing these really great things in our country and around the world. And nobody ever tells that story. But if you get out and you do something awesome and they're in that class and maybe it's the first time you've ever chatted with a doctor from the Mayo Clinic or the first time you've ever talked to, you know, an entrepreneurial welder or whatever the case may be. But we're putting them together. It's like, hey, just do the work together. Here's your sandbag. Go, you know, and that's that's a really powerful thing that that built that tears down a lot of walls and it builds a lot of bridges. And that was really the original inspiration or what Go Ruck became was this this bridge for me from the military to the civilian world. And so I'm really proud that that's such our way of life and that a lot of people are finding that that's a, a worthwhile bridge to cross as well. I can imagine well, what you can learn just walking next to somebody, even if you're accountant and then the person you're next to does something completely different. I mean, if you start talking about it, I imagine they can give you a piece of advice and what they do that would help you in what you do. Always, man, always. And it's crazy to see how people get excited pretty quickly about it. I mean, I spent some time on your website and was looking at how to join join a club and then as well as how to host or, or create a club. And uh, so I started just asking people in my circle, my sister, her husband, some other friends, like, hey, would you guys throw a backpack on with a weight plate and go on a walk with me and just chat? And everybody was like, heck yeah, that, that sounds like a blast. I've been thinking about throwing the rucks on my kids and myself walking down the street and picking up the trash. Oh, that's <laughs> that's cool, actually. Fill it up with, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, we got one of those big old spears. And walks. <laughs> <laughs> you do it like a man, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Awesome. Like, you can look, look awesome Big spear. Uh, just picking up trash. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, all right, brother. Send me a picture when you do that. Oh, we will. I'm going to have the that. kids out. Me and my brother, man, we're going to walk down and, and, and do that. Go Ruck will become the official sponsor of your what spear hunting trash missions as a family. <laughs> yeah, we take out <laughs> the trash around here. <laughs> uh, what's up next for you, man? Like, what do you got coming up next? 
so, you know, we're really plugging away at the stuff that we we're doing. It's doubling down on community always and stuff like that. I mean, our, our stated big giant goal is for rucking to become bigger than running. And there's a lot of physiological and health reasons why that should happen. And part of it is just showing people that they're already rucking. You can just do it a little bit better. I mean, if you have a backpack and you're traveling, you're rucking. If you're hiking, you're rucking. If you're in the military and you didn't know that it's called rucking because, you know, the Marines call it humping and there's in Britain, they call it tabbing. You're rucking. And, and so, you know, there's there's other big goals that that I have for us to teach people how to do that, to get stronger physically and to get stronger kind of emotionally just by you, you gain a lot of confidence when you do hard things and you 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 learn a lot when you go ruck next to somebody and you, you ask them about their life, right? A friend, a loved one, whatever. And so, but the the gap that we haven't really started digging in too much on is, is just like they don't teach you in, in the military how to ruck. It's, hey, here's all this heavy stuff. Go. Oh, no, I, yeah. Throw it on there and go. I have scars on my back from the old uh, LB, LBVs or LBEs, right, no. with those meat hooks in there. And then we put the, the Alice pack, pack over the top yeah, of them. Yeah, Alice pack, man. And mm. Yeah, I still got these big scars from the, from the meat hooks and stuff. And so we want to educate people on how to do it correctly. Because too oftentimes, you know, people in the military will say, oh, well, rucking sucks. Like, yeah, it does when you have 100 pounds and then you, you don't sleep and you, you get somewhere and you got to dig a fighting position and then you get blown out of your position and you got to keep going. And, you know, yeah, that, that form of rucking does suck. You're right. But when you view it as kind of a way to a healthier stronger community, stronger individual kind of a life. It's, it's great. And it's, it's a way reduced injuries to, to running. It's way reduced injuries to, to, uh, other forms of, of health. So that's one big project is sort of focus on, on a rocking book and looking at getting that out next year. And then this year it's our 10 year anniversary of kind of our first, uh, our first when our rucks debuted and our challenges started. So I'm actually driving around the country uh, this summer from mid-June to mid-July, from San Francisco down to Southern California, across through Texas, and then to Florida where we are, and then up through the Northeast and just engaging local communities. And I'll have a book out by then that's about that first summer of 2010 when I did the same thing, but it was hugely disastrous and nothing worked. And it just kind of... Uh, uh, a way to just check in with with people that are out there in in our community, and hopefully they'll they'll bring some new ones that'll come and join us. So is that what you're doing? You're hitting all the squads? Yeah, I mean, you know, part of it is like we have we have rut clubs all over the country now. So imagine doing you know 30 days and link up with with a club every day and and do yeah. some PT and just sort of get together. And we'll you know we'll, we'll talk about it. we're going to highlight some veteran success stories as well. So that's kind of a, a side project that we're focused on on that trip is I think there's too much talk out there about how veterans have PTSD and need so much help and, you know, are, are basically broken. And yes, I'll, I'll donate money, but I don't want to hire them because, you know, they, they all have PTSD, right? I mean, this is the stigma that is, is it's out there a little bit. Nobody really wants to, to describe it like that, but to some extent it exists. And I think not enough talk is given to the successful stories of veterans who are out there that have these great stories and this great wealth of leadership and teamwork and, and stuff that's just in, ingrained into our souls at this point. And I want to start to tell some of those stories as well. Well, that's amazing, man. Let us know when you roll through Texas. 
I will. I'll put you on the. I'll put you on the list if you're if you're going to be around. Oh yeah, we'll keep in touch, man, and, and uh, we'll we'll advertise it and follow. It. We'll help you out in any way we can, man. I'm not kidding. Thank you so much for what you do, and thank you again for coming on the show, man. I thanks so much, man. It's it's a real it's a real honor to to chat with you. You know, I've I've known your story for a long time, and and um, I'm just glad to hear that life's life's going good for you, brother. It's it's just you know like. No one, no one would wish for your, your story. And, and yet, you know, it's, um, it's like, I think you're just doing great things. So man, keep every, it up. everybody in our community wish they went through this story. <laughs> I mean, I did. I was like, man, you know how we are, right? You know, everybody that well, people okay. are like, Hey man, if, if you think about our, some of our stories and, and you're like, glad you didn't want to, you weren't there, then you didn't need to be there. But there'll be guys who, who hear the stories and be like, man, I wish I was there. That then. Well, shit, yeah, man. I wish I'd had my whole team there with you guys. Oh, y'all showed up. I was like, hey, what's happening? (laughs) I mean, because y'all the ones that got me out of there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, So I later met the guy um, who who was in charge of that that mission to come and and do the the rescue and stuff. And it's like, like everybody, it's like, yeah, everybody wanted to be there. Nobody ever wants to lose a brother in arms. Sure. That's, that's the deal. And it's a contact sport and it sucks, but yes, hell yes. I would have loved to have been there fighting side by side with you guys. And I wish there would have been a lot more of us as well. Oh man. That's how you know we're brothers. Well, Jason, thanks again. How could people follow you and, and follow everything that's going on? We're just at GoRuck. It's on all the social platforms and then GoRuck.com is our stuff. And if you dig for like two seconds, you can find my stuff. It's pretty closely attached to that. But lo- love, always love feedback from people that are out there, you know, got questions about transition stuff or rucking, health, fitness, wh- whatever, take your pick. And um, yeah, so we're, we're out there. All right. Hey, before you let go, man, I just wanted to bring this up. I, uh, I noticed I didn't know about the wife being the CIA, but I noticed your kids' name are Jack Ryan. That's cool. <laughs> you got it. Nice work. Yes. That I mean, was, bro, uh, that was good. Yeah, I mean, that bro, was put so that together. Right when you said that, I was like, I like this dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so the first one, Jack, is very much a family name. John is his full name, but he goes by Jack, right? And that's our, our family has that. But the, for our second son, we didn't have like the perfect name set up. There was no family name or anything that was just waiting that got served up. And so Emily was like, you know what? Ryan, Jack Ryan. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Dude, them two that together are badass. Awesome. <laughs> that, that is awesome. So it's, it's cool. And those, you know, kids are just my, my kids are just the love of my life. So, um, I love, I love talking about them. So thanks for bringing them up. Jack Ryan is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, bro. I, I, man, cause you know, we were growing up, everybody named our parents named us regular stuff. Like our generation, man, there's a, their names mean everything. It's cool. It's a, it's an awesome handle, man. We got one of our buddies. His last name was hooks. His kid's name is steel, steel hooks. Tell me that kid's not going to be tough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so good job, man. And, uh, thank you again so much for doing what you do, bro. Never, never stop, man. We'll back you up. We're together now. So you need anything from our end and we can help you, please don't even hesitate and tell the family we said hello. I will. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate your, your guys' time today, and, and thanks so much. Absolutely. God bless you, man. We're up. Out. All right, everybody. It is time for a listener story, and today's listener story is written in by Vincent, and I love the title of his, of his story. It's Saved by Kyle Carpenter on the Team Never Quit podcast. Good morning, guys. I want to start by thanking you for everything you've done and continue to do for this country. You guys and the guests of your show are truly blessing for the people of this country. 
Now, my story is short. I've worked in private security for my entire life. I was at work performing a routine patrol and thinking about some problems I was having. I won't bore you with my useless issues. These problems seemed so overwhelming that I stopped that patrol vehicle and sat there. Before I knew what I was doing, I had removed my sidearm from the holster and had the barrel firmly buried under my chin. In the background, I was dimly aware of your show playing on my phone. I can clearly remember my finger beginning to apply pressure to the trigger. And out of nowhere, your show and your guest that week, Kyle Carpenter, thundered into my ears. Kyle was talking about how he was trying to eat a bowl of cereal and how the difficulty of that task had gotten to him. My next thought was, if this badass man, who literally took the blast of a grenade for his brother-in-arms, was not giving up, then I had no right to think my stupid little problem should give me the right to even consider such an action. You guys are true lifesavers, and I wanted to thank you for your show. Vincent. Yeah, bro. A lot of times, man, like, you think the stupid problems, well, if they were, if they're problems, then they're not stupid. And if they're stupid problems, then you shouldn't be worried about them. And, I, you know, you... There's a lot of guys that we, they talk about that when they're when they're at that that angle. You always got. I'm mean, kind of looking at like a test. Like I, if you if it's in, popped in your head and you're like going down that route, it's like you know what this is the final one to see if I have what it takes just to keep it keep it going, just to stay alive, to use the one thing that I was granted by God, you know, life. And I don't care. It, you you nailed it. I mean, the minute you the minute you're sitting in there thinking about doing something like that, just automatically let that th- pop in your head like there's somebody else out there that is way worse than me and already been through this, I'm, and just try and go find them, G- get your eye head off of something other than what that is, and never be ashamed of everything, anything that you got to go through. We all have to go through these crazy situations, and it seems like, especially now this day and age, you know, there's there's situations you. That you get in or stuff crops into your head. You're like, man, where did I thought I even come from, right? And it just kind of steers you down that path. And yeah, just remember when you're dealing with those demons and those voices and stuff like that, and you think for one second that you're trapped in there with them, they're not. They're trapped in there with you and your body. And you just keep working them and working them. And I don't care how crazy it gets just until you get them in line. Like Eminem says, man, you got them in there doing push-ups now until you, until you, you break that. You break them. They don't break you. What you have bl- growing inside of you and everything that, that you are that, that gets you out of bed in the morning and makes you go do what you do, man. There, there's those tribulations, every, those little tests that are set in front of us. Make sure we're paying attention to the good times. And every time you go through one of those hurdles, man, you're stronger. You, you don't go back to it. And you get this bad feeling like, ah, oh, that was something that I wish I didn't have to go through. Well, get over that. He went through it. <laughs> I mean, he came out on the other side. Just push forward and never stop. I don't care. I mean, it's one day. One day we got. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for sharing your story. This is, this is the exact reason why we record the show every single week. Those kind of stories. Because it, it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't for that story that you, you, know, you heard, you know, the, the outcome could have been different. And we're grateful that you listened to the show. And we're grateful that you had the, the mindset to say, you know what? I'm, not, I'm going through small stuff and I can deal with that. Well, the good part is you once you identify you're in that spot and you get and you get out of it, then you can identify what puts you That's into right. it. And then you, when you're looking around people next to you, you can see if they're heading down into that that rabbit hole. And or you can help, going down you can that help tra- pull them out. Yeah, of man, it. don't be scared or embarrassed. And even if you walk up and say something and they and they completely turn around and get mad and insult you, well, that means you probably nailed it right on the head. I mean, the worst case scenario, you said something and then you're just going about your way. You never know how things will impact you in other people's lives. I, I, I truly didn't until we started doing this and you hear them stories and it's like, oh, all right. Oh, holy crap. Yeah. Let's just keep going. So thank y'all for writing in and, and being a part of this and helping me get through my day. Y'all do. Y'all, y'all motivate me more than you can even imagine. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Vincent. If you want to share your story, you can do it on the website, teamneverquit.com slash podcast. There's a share your story button in the navigation. That's where you can share stories, but you can also read a ton of other stories from the entire Team Never Quit community. Man, Jason is a cool guy. All oh, them Greenberry boys are. We give him a lot of grief, man. I, you know, I'm a bastard child too, so I, I have a special <laughs> place in my heart for him, uh, and because I am, you know, I'm half of one. I'm half of one. Yeah, hybrid. And um, and they kind of saved your butt all the time. Yeah, they, everybody has to save my ass. Too. It's not even funny. Like I'm, I'm really adamant about that. I'm like, hey, look, yeah, <laughs> maybe it'll be you. Yeah, one day. I go in just so everybody have something, have something to do. Are you bored? <laughs> I got you. So let's send the trail boys in. So they have, we got to go get them. Yeah. So, uh, man, that's how them guys are wired. <laughs> you can't even believe the stuff we come up with. I mean, all those SF because the gear they issue, we always modify it mm-hmm. to to fix just so we don't look like the guy next to us. And it's funny, Make everybody it always wants to look alike, but man, then you do things to hang things differently because yeah. they fit differently. Everybody's differently, and those personalities are what bring us together. And uh, that never goes away. And from what he, everything that he had been into, and then come out and then started the go right, just bringing our community back together because he's right. I mean, I don't care the weight you carry in your job when you throw that off and you go throw that ruck on and get next to somebody and, and they've thrown their weight off and you just both of you are there together. Mm-hmm. And when you're struggling together, all the bullshit goes away. Yeah. It's just you and them and walk in and the stuff you talk about, you can't imagine. And that's how you wind up getting buddies and you hang out afterwards and you just kind of build your family, your team. Yeah, that's, that's pretty what everybody cool. Everybody looks for is, is a, you got your family and then you can have your team. And it, I mean, you got to go out and find them. Yeah, I encourage you guys to go check out his websites, goruck.com. He's got over 500-plus clubs all around the country, so you could definitely get involved in one. And if there's not one in your town, start one or just throw a backpack on and yeah. I'm telling you, man, if, you, if your job description is something completely opposite of what carrying a ruck is, you will love it. Very much so. I mean, I, it sounds crazy, but just get out there and start walking around. You'd be surprised. It's nice to just get away from the computer every once in a while. And... Hell, yeah. Throw that thing in that rucksack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all these microphones. Stuff. All right. All these. Oh, well, right. <laughs> Yeah, thanks again, man, just for sharing your story, Jason. We loved having you on, and and uh, we know that this episode's going to motivate the heck out of somebody. Yeah, we appreciate what you're doing, man. It's just going to keep doing it. We drop episodes every new Wednesday, so make sure you're subscribed to the show. Share the episode with a friend. You never know when this, this, this show can actually save someone's life, just like Vincent today. So this show could be the thing that, that helps someone just go through another day. So make sure to share the episode. And when we say save it, we don't necessarily mean save you from death. No. We, it could very save the life that you have. Add something new to yep. it. That's the blessing. I mean, just adding something new to it. Not taking away from it, unless you want to, but just adding something new. And, and there's so much stuff. You can't believe it. Traveling around as much as I do and getting to meet everybody, I mean, it's just unbelievable what our people do. It's, it's amazing. They're great. I love you guys, man. Y'all take care. God bless you. I'm out. Out. <laughs>